right. Welcome to Rock Vegas, everybody. This is Glenn Rockney. Um, it's game week. It's game week. I'm excited. I'm juiced. Uh, nothing better than week one of NFL football, especially if you're a team that hasn't won a lot in the last 20 years, 22 years. We're, we're adding some years on there, getting close to a quarter century. I'm not counting. You are, not me. But uh, anyways, it feels good. Week one, Monday Night Football. Um Baltimore Ravens coming to town. Um, I won't quite get into that game yet. I just wanted to do a, a, a fun exercise about this. Uh, before I before I get into that, though, um, just a little bit of news. Uh, last episode didn't really cover it a lot with uh, Matt Fallon, but KJ Wright, officially a Raider. Um, $5 million deal. Pretty good. I, I think it's worth it, too. KJ Wright is a damn good linebacker. It's about as good of a signing. Not a trade, right? We all... I'm not going to bring up a certain name, but there can be some big trades that happen right before the season. Ones that involve two first round picks for a franchise defensive end. Things like that can happen the week before a season starts. But just a signing off the scrap heap, you get a great coverage linebacker. I'm all in. I'm all in. Um, this team is making uncharacteristically good moves. Especially like late in this in the season. They're not throwing, you know, fourth round picks out the window for a kick returner. They're not. Um, you know, signing just 37 year old defensive ends. Like they're not doing stuff like that. They're bringing in, you know, KJ writes you know, for a linebacker. He's about what? 32. Not, you know, not young, but had a, uh, close to an 80 coverage grade in PFF last year, which is really good. He's going to start in base. Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't know about the Mike situation. He said he's been the Mike before with uh gus gus bradley but um i would imagine maybe i don't know if gus changed some of the terminology up a little bit uh on the scheme coming to the raiders i, I don't know if he's going to necessarily hand him the mic uh role um I, I would still think that would go to Kwiatkowski or or uh or little tim but, but we'll see i wouldn't be surprised if he was the one getting everybody in uh into uh position i wouldn't be surprised but you know that's going to help this unit. Nicholas Morrow goes down. Nicholas Morrow was the best player on defense last year. Truly. Nicholas Morrow, Jonathan Hankins, two best players on the team on defense last year. And Nicholas Morrow goes down. That's a big loss. It's a big loss. So they signed Denzel Perryman, who can get dirty in the run game. Get dirty. He's, he's that run stuffer. Like, like shoot the gap. Defensive line holds, holds the line up. He shoots the gap tackle for a loss in the backfield. That's what Denzel Perriman makes a living doing. Um, and KJ Wright, two good veterans from a Bradley scheme, right? Because in the past, right, you used to see the, the Paul Gunther guys. They kind of seem like, you know, Frosty Rucker. I don't know if he's a Paul Gunther guy, but, you know, the guys they would bring in were veterans for leadership, but they couldn't contribute on the field. KJ Wright, Denzel Perriman are guys that contribute on the field as well as teach these young linebackers. I'm very excited to know that Divine Diablo, who's learning a new position, um, doesn't have to start and can learn from a KJ Wright, who's here on a one-year deal. Can learn from a Denzel Perryman. Denzel Perryman can get you to go sideline to sideline with that speed, with that tenacity. KJ Wright teaches you that coverage stuff, when to shoot to the flat and stuff like that. Guys, that, I can't think of two better guys to learn from realistically in this league. So uh, I'm very juiced about those signings. I, I think even if Nicholas Morrow was healthy and they brought in KJ Wright, it would just make the linebacker core great. 
interesting thing will be happening. We don't know the extent of Nicholas Morrow's injury. He could be out for the season. I, I don't think he is, but we don't really know. And what's going to happen when he comes back? Who do you get rid of? Good problem to have, though, right? That's like in your fantasy draft when all your players have a, a week nine bye. If you care about that, who cares, right? Because week nine, your team don't look the same. You probably drop a couple of those guys. But it's good to have a nice crowded linebacker room like that. Last year, you know, you had the two top guys. Littleton had a down year. I'll talk about Corey Littleton in a second. But, you know, behind those guys, you didn't have a lot. You had Moro, Littleton, Kwiatkowski, but man, it's just when those injuries hit, Kwiatkowski goes down the first game of the year, right? And, and and your depth really gets exposed or lack thereof, I should say. But that position has become a strength on this team, I, I believe. KJ Wright, I was listening to his press conference yesterday. You want to talk about a veteran, a guy who knows, a confident veteran, a guy who's who's not too excited to be on the team, but is very much confident in his ability. He said, I'll step right in. This is for, this is his first team outside of Seattle. He's going to step right in and be like, I, I got this. I'm playing for my old guy, a guy who I learned how to play NFL football under, right? Gus Bradley. I think he had an anecdote about naming his dog, you know, helping Gus come up with a name for his dog. So there's obviously a personal connection there. Gus called him in the off season. And I, and I think, I think it's going to pay dividends right away. Now, week one, you go against Lamar Jackson, right? You, you're not as worried about coverage, but you kind of are. Mark Andrews just got paid. You got you to have an answer for Mark Andrews, and that's linebackers being disciplined in coverage. I think that helps the DBs out. I think that helps the safeties out. Helps the defensive line out when they try to run the ball. You got speed. Littleton, KJ Wright in base. Those guys are fast. Sideline to sideline speed. You got Diablo on the on the on the bench in a disaster situation. Speed. So I really like the additions this team's made. I, I even don't mind the, the Peyton Barber one, to be honest. Trey Regis was the camp dar, uh, darling, but they have a veteran third running back, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Peyton Barber. I don't hate that. I don't hate that on paper at all. Um I think they just got rid of B.J. Emmons as well uh, off the practice squad, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, things happen. Um, Raider Nation will probably have a goldfish memory uh, about that kind of stuff. We, we tend to get really excited about preseason people and then forget about them instantly. <laughs> so um, this is the best, and, and I could eat these words later, this is the best personnel decisions I've seen this team make um, all year. And I'm somebody who couldn't stand the Andre James uh, contract and becoming the starter. Uh, it's still something that eats at me a little bit. But other than that, I, I think this team has made the right choices. Realizing that maybe Damon Arnett is not a top corner right now in this league, getting to Casey Hayward. You know, realizing that Cleveland Furl doesn't have to be the fourth overall pick out there on an island, starting, rushing against the best tackles in the league, going get Yannick Ngakwe. You know, there's certain things like that. And then on offense, Offense is doing well. This is a good offensive team. And then offense, you're trusting these young guys. Henry Ruggs, look, we let Nelson Aguilar get paid, what, $9, 10000000 million a year with the Patriots. I'd be sick to my stomach if the Raiders paid that. And I like Nelson Aguilar. Listen to my old episodes if you don't believe me. I thought he was a steal from the get-go. 
when they signed him for about $3 million. But I'm not trying to pay. He was good because he was a $3 million wide receiver. That's why Nelson Aguilar was good on this team. So I like these decisions they're making. I like these decisions that the Raiders are making. You know, even this draft class. Let's talk about this draft class. Actually, hold on one second. This is an exercise I wanted to do. I'm going to do a perfect scenario where everything goes right for the Raiders this year and a disaster scenario, right? So let's start with the perfect scenario. The perfect scenario is that this draft class is really good, right? That's just for starters, that this draft class is really good. You get a starting stalwart right tackle in Alex Leatherwood. Run blocker, mowing people over. Makes a few mistakes in the past game. But you have a quarterback that gets rid of the ball very fast. You have a, a, an offense in the West Coast offense that is a quick timing route offense and a quarterback that has mastered it. And, and, and then when you want to run the ball, when you want to get nasty, when you want to when you want to just have bodies flying everywhere with Josh Jacobs getting yards after contact, bowling people over late with a seven point lead in the third quarter, as we saw a lot of times last year. And we never felt like we were in the lead last year, did we? Raider Nation. Well, be honest, when the Raiders were up seven to ten in the third quarter, it felt like the game was tied, right? It felt like the game was like, oh, man, what's going to happen? What stupid penalty are we going to do to get these guys in field goal range and then bust the coverage? And then all of a sudden it's a tie game. Then all of a sudden they're down seven and then just begging for a miracle comeback from the offense, right? No, no. You're going to have this quick, efficient passing game. Yards after the catch from Henry Ruggs. That's why you drafted him 12th overall. That 4-2 speed, that's going to come to light because his... And again, this is if everything goes perfect, right? This isn't necessarily my take. I'm just saying this is the perfect scenario. This is Henry Ruggs. His leg is all healed from that first little kind of tweak he did on his knee against Carolina. He's just zooming out of there. Mike Mayock says in his press conference, Henry Ruggs, the speed's there now. So even he didn't see it last year. I'm not crazy. Brian Edwards, your big Michael Crabtree type receiver. Um, with a little more juice after the catch, I'd say um, a little less durability. I think that's a fair thing with 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 Brian Edwards. But he he just those big hands. Your Alshon Jeffrey, your Allen Robinson. You're, he's that guy for you. Then you have Renfro, third and six. I'm looking at for number thirteen. And then oh my gosh, I haven't even talked about the number one receiver on this team, Darren Waller. Darren Waller, number eighty three. You ever heard of him? He's a beast. Crack the top 40 in the NFL top 100. The league respects him. As a West Coast offense. And guess what? Do we just have one tight end? No, we don't. We have Foster Moreau, number 87. Yeah? So then you have versatility at tight end. If you have some injuries in the receiver core, and I'll, I'll get to that later because I'm going to do a mailbag today. Uh, but then you have Waller. You can kick out to the X. Moreau's your inline blocking tight end. Nick Bowers in case of emergency or a goal line scenario uh, for blocking. And then you, you have this, this fast offensive line, like I was saying, with that run game. It's a damn good offense. If you figure this shit out in the red zone, and I haven't had a chance to check out his PC, but Marcus Johnson did write about the potential Mariota package in the red zone. So I will check that out. What if they add a few wrinkles in there? What if this becomes a top five offense? What if it does? It's not out of the question. And then defensively, right? If everything goes right defensively, 
the back end. Let's start from the back and go forward. The back end, Casey Hayward, right? Returns to the ball hawk corner that he was in Green Bay and early in his uh, San Diego, L.A. career. Even if he doesn't, he ends up just becoming a good, solid cover corner, knows the scheme well, disciplined, um, but knows when to make a play. Then you have Trayvon Mullen. Trayvon Mullen just playing his good, solid, consistent physical football um, in a scheme that probably fits him a lot better. Good tackler. But yeah, Trayvon Mullen gets hurt a lot. So what happens if Trayvon Mullen gets hurt? He always has those weird head injuries. I don't know what happens. He comes in back in two days, two uh, plays later. It looks like he needs to be carted off the field, and all of a sudden he comes back in two plays later. But you have Damon Arnett. You have the 19th overall pick who did have some good reps in preseason, and this looks like a better scheme for him. Last year, you had Paul Gunther drafting two good press corners and playing them off the ball, doing too much. It just didn't look right for either guy. But what if Damon Arnett takes that next step, and he's your third boundary corner, your reserve, if you, if you will, and, and then you have a stable, right? And Nate Hobbs, the hype, the, the hype of training camp, the hype of preseason, Nate Hobbs. What if Nate Hobbs is good right out the gate? What if you just have a steal at slot corner, an athletic 4 3 40, uh, 44-inch vertical leap, just absolute beast, tackler, playmaker at slot? What if you have that? And then on safety, right? Uh, Jonathan Abram, he takes that next step. He takes that next step. He's lighting guys up like as he normally was. He's a more sure tackler. He knows when to take those risks, when to shoot to the quarterback on a blitz, when to, you know, make a couple plays in coverage, stays a little more disciplined, doesn't take the cheese like he did against Kansas City. What if he takes that next step in year three? Really just year two for him, right? People forget it was his first full season last year. And Trevon Merrick, right out the gate, your deep safety. If he gets it right away. If his role simplified enough to where he just understands what he has to do and can make plays on the ball, that's good. And you're asking me, Glenn, how do they get pressure on the quarterback? All that, none of that matters if you don't get pressure on the quarterback. Okay, what if you found a gem in Darius Phylon? What if Darius Phylon's got his head right? Darius Phylon got all that nonsense off the field out of the way. Darius Phylon looked great in the preseason. Looks like he bulked up a little bit still maintain that explosiveness. What if he's rushing the passer at a good level? What if Yannick Ngakwe is back to, you know, what is that, 2017, 2018 form? Whatever that last game in Oakland was when he was playing real well. What if he's back to that and you have a great edge rusher? Max Crosby in that third year becomes the the pass rusher that Raider Nation thinks he is, but I don't think he is. What, what if Matt? What if Max Crosby becomes that? Cool and furl, versatile guy, rushes inside, plays a little bit on the outside, gets that speed to power or gets that power, finishes with speed. Good run stuffer. When you want to get big, you could put Hankins and Furl in there to stop the run. I do expect a lot of that against Lamar Jackson. Solomon Thomas, that man was taken what's third overall. Yeah, third overall out of Stanford. Smart guy, Stanford. Figures it out in the Gus Bradley scheme. All of a sudden, you have yourself a little stable of edge rushers and pass rushers. Now, I, you know you know me. I've talked about it. It's kind of a weaker spot on the team, in my opinion, but could, could end up being serviceable. 
then you have yourself a middle of the pack defense. I think I talked about your linebackers. They're covering They're you know, Kwiatkowski's your, your hammer in the run game. Perryman's also a hammer in the run game. Kwiatkowski does a little bit of both can cover a little bit. We saw the one handed pick against Drew Locke last year. It was a work of art. Littleton, Corey Littleton bounces back this year. Corey Littleton bounces back. You, I heard his uh, press conference today. Very Kawhi Leonard-ish. Very quiet guy. Kind of, you could tell he's an introspective guy, but he didn't feel comfortable last year. He aired Paul Gunther out and said, "Look, I, I, I'm being told what I'm, I'm being asked to do something different than I'm than I'm not used to doing." Lamarcus Joyner said the same thing. But Littleton returned to this team, and I think Gus Bradley figures out what the hell he wants to do with him. And we see Rams Corey Littleton this year. That might be the thing that actually takes the defense over is if Corey Littleton, the Rams version, the reason he got the money with the Raiders as a UDFA on Rams uh, out of Texas going to the Rams ends up getting paid by the Raiders. We've seen that story before. Like, oh, now he's just mailing it in. No, I never saw that last year. I didn't think it was a lack of effort. I just think now he needs to be utilized properly, picking off Matthew Stafford in practice. Translate that into the game. Okay, what if it all goes bad? (laughs) What if it all goes bad? Here's my disaster scenario for the Raiders. Disaster scenario. And let's start on the offensive side of the ball. We'll start up front. The O-line, the experiment doesn't work. You get a big run first offensive line. You want to run the ball. A couple guys get hurt. And you're down to reserves. You're 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 calling up Patrick Omame and and trying to get Lester Cotton back in off the practice squad, and you can't get anything right because you got you made your depth starters and didn't replenish the depth. Alex Leatherwood doesn't get it in the passing game. Just doesn't get it. He's he's uh, I don't know. I, I I'm, a, I'm not a we, we've seen the false step on his Alabama tape. That goes in there, and he's getting blown by all you know Matthew Judon week one or or you know, Bosa in the division and, and it's just a bloodbath. And it looks like 2018 Raiders where, where cars just getting ragdolled. What if Henry Ruggs is just a Tavon Austin, right? What if that happens? What if Henry Ruggs is Tavon Austin? Scary. No one wants to admit it, but that, Hey, that's his floor. What if in three years, Henry Ruggs is trying to make the Jacksonville Jaguars under when they appoint a college coach, as their head coach. You don't know. You don't know. What if Brian Edwards doesn't stay healthy? He's hurt in college. When you're hurt in college, you get hurt in the pros. More often than not. What if Waller goes down? Then you have Foster Moreau. That's a good good tight end. But then you're just hoping to God that Foster Moreau doesn't go down. And Foster just, just doesn't give you the same thing Waller does. Hardly any tight ends do. I'd say Waller's the fastest tight end in the league. Then you, you, you get to the run game, right? Josh Jacobs goes down. It happens. Running backs don't play 16 games, 17 games, I should say. Rarely happens. Then you have Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake's good. I wouldn't necessarily feel fantastic if Kenyon Drake was my starting running back for the whole year with no depth behind him, though. Be scary. Then you're you're giving Peyton Barber meaningful carries, calling up BJ Emmons, Trey Regis, hoping to God they can they can come in and, and replenish that run game. What if Carr doesn't get any better and all those guys go down? I don't like Derek Carr with a bad supporting cast. And I've been championing Derek Carr this whole offseason. It's scary. 
Defensive side of the ball. Disaster scenario for the defensive side of the ball. What if uh, what if you can't get pressure on the quarterback? It's my biggest. I mean, I'm just doing an exercise here. I'm I'm doing the extremes of both sides, but I am concerned that the defensive line won't get the pressure that's needed in a Gus Bradley defense. This is by far, in my opinion, kind of the weakest roster um, defensive line wise that Bradley's had in a while. Yannick's good, but Yannick's been on three teams in four years. Max Crosby's good, but he's kind of more of a of a hustle sack kind of guy rather than a beat, beat the guy that's blocking him before the quarterback throws it. Jonathan Hankins is good. He's a run stuffer. Solomon Thomas, come on, man. Hasn't played in a while. Darius Phylon, hey, preseason, preseason darling. You know, what have you done for me lately? All this stuff could happen. Cleveland Furl plays like Cleveland Furl last year, and that wasn't good enough, you know. Linebackers. What if KJ Wright's not the same from Seattle? What if Corey Littleton doesn't take that next step that or at least get back to what he was with LA? What if they need Nicholas Morrow and they can't get him? What if Divine Diablo has to play meaningful snaps and cover people and get his nose dirty in the run in the run game? Third round pick, Virginia Tech. I don't know. I don't know. Then on the back end. What if you get injuries in the secondary? Like I said, Trayvon Mullen, he goes down from time to time. He has to leave during the game. It happens here and there. And then you you get the Damon Arnett from last year, which just wasn't the same. And what if Damon Arnett just cannot tackle properly and constantly puts his head in the way of, of tackles and um, exposes himself? Then you're stuck with uh, aging Casey Hayward. You might have to give Amig Robertson some outside looks. You might have to play Nevin Lawson. Which at that point, I'm looking at mock drafts. Let's go to safeties. Jonathan Abram. What if Jonathan Abram isn't – it's just Jonathan Abram. He's, he's running himself out of plays. Getting 15-yard taunting penalties, blowing coverage, allowing uh, one of the better tight ends of all time to just stand there by himself in the end zone when the team needs more than a field goal to beat you. Trevon Merrick. People forget Trevon Merrick. He he had a little back issue coming out in the draft, and some people say that's why he slid. What if he hits that rookie wall? What if he gets hurt? Then you got to play Roderick Teamer. Then you got to play Tyree Gillespie. Then we're we're looking like the Dennis Allen Raiders all of a sudden. Look, I expect these people to be more towards the good than the bad. I'm I'm a ten and seven Raiders prediction guy. Um, that's on record ten and seven. But it's important to to know what the what the ceiling and the floor of this team is. It's volatile. This team could be six and eleven. I don't think so. I don't think they will. For a long time, I haven't checked it in a while, but they had the Vegas win total at six and a half. Six and a half with an extra game on the season. That's disrespectful. I, I think the Raiders have been getting hated on a little bit. And I'm I'm typically not a um a media, oh, the league hates us. I'm not I'm not usually that guy. I always sounded like a cope to me. It's like draft better. Please draft better, sign better free agents, get better coaches. I'm I'm usually that guy. Media's been hating. They've been hating. PFF, they're just like, oh, I don't get what they're doing on defense. It's like they overhauled the entire thing and they got good coverage guys that fit the Bradley scheme. What do you want? 
But this is a team that hasn't won a lot. And I think that's why the media bias is what it is. You have to win. Winning cures all. Winning cures all. It cures everything. The minute you start winning, when the Raiders, this beautiful logo behind me, the best logo in sports, the best uniform of all time in any sport, when that becomes good, it's a hot commodity in the league. These journalists will act like they've never, ever doubted the Raiders, never doubted John Gruden if they win. But you got to win. Hell, it's the motto of this franchise. Just win, baby. You have to win. Eight and eight last year. It's not going to cut it this year. You can't even go eight and eight this year. Eight and eight is eight and nine this year. You have to have, you can't go 500 this year, which I do like in the NFL. So, yeah, just win. Just win. It cures everything. You don't have to worry about the media being on your back. Maybe they, maybe they put a ceiling on you saying they can't win more than what they have done. Well, that's a, a luxury problem. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. All right. So mailbag today. Um, asked for some mailbag questions. Got some really good ones. Um, and let's, uh, let's get right into it. So first one, um, this comes from Frost at LizardFrost89. He says, John Gruden is on the hot seat. Interesting statement. Do you think he will open up the playbook for once? So his first part of that was a statement, but I believe it's a false statement. John Gruden is not on the hot seat. John Gruden's going to be here for at least a few more years. Mark Davis, I couldn't imagine Mark Davis leaving more than two years on John Gruden's contract. It's the one thing I've hated the most about this team is the fact that Gruden has a a 10-year window and really didn't earn it other than saying cool things on TV. You know, that, that being said, opening up the playbook, like I said, Marcus Johnson wrote, wrote a piece today about, uh, about a Mariota red zone package. He knows that the red zone is, he, he knows that the red zone is, uh, is an issue, right? He knows that he's tired of hearing about it. Well, well, okay, fix it. Get a mobile quarterback in the end zone. I, I, I don't hate that. Um, you know, a lot of that's on him, though, in, in my opinion. And and I believe that uh, Frost agrees with me here because he's saying, do you think it'll open up the playbook? It's like every first and goal, it's just a run, Jacobs, in between the tackles, and it gets stuffed. It's second and, second and goal from the nine in the red zone all the time. You just waste first down. Take that shot on first down. Take the shot. You know, like run outside. Do something cool. Put Kenyon Drake out there. Have him run a route. I, I do think he's trying to have an elite offense and and as stubborn as I think he is, he knows this is a problem. He knows this is a problem. Now, I don't know if he's going to have the right solution to it, but he knows it's a problem. And I'm not sure that was the case in the past. Okay, next up. I'll save that one for last, actually. Um, okay, this is from unknown at we underscore bay 78. Outside of the questions on defense, it's great on paper. He says it's great on paper in game season. We don't know. I I agree. We got to see it. I think our biggest questions are with O-line and wide receiver group. Interesting. Is our wide receiver group as good as we've seen in spurts? Due to not staying healthy last year. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. 
yeah, weird, weird thing. Um, that's kind of the reason I didn't want to cut John Brown because I thought John Brown was a pretty good Henry Ruggs insurance policy. Now, John Brown might might have not shown anything in camp, and John Brown's around thirty. That's sometimes speed guys don't don't keep their speed in the thirties. I, 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 he might not have shown a damn thing. I, I'm not saying it was a why did we cut John Brown? Still unsigned. Other teams are seeing it too. But it's like, man, if Rugs and Edwards are out, you got Zay Jones. Zay Jones playing meaningful snaps. And now that's Raider Nation's darling during preseason and camp. He says all the right things. He He's fast. He's strong. He can block. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm necessarily ready to go to war with that. But now I will say I, I do include Waller in the wide receiver group because I expect Waller to be flexed out to the X position um, from time to time with Moreau uh playing more traditional tight end. I think Gruden's going to want to get both those guys on the field at the same time. You saw Moreau, uh, Waller and Carrier on the field at the same time a lot last year. I expect the same thing, Waller and Witten, I should say, last year. But uh, Waller and Moreau should be on the field at the same time this year. So um, tight ends are part of your receiver group, especially in the West Coast offense, especially in 2021 NFL. So um, I, I do. I think it's good. I think this is a very high ceiling because there's a chance that Henry Ruggs just lights the league on fire this year. I don't believe it's a huge chance. Some people are higher on him than I am. A lot of people are, I should say. Some people that bought Tanner Muse jerseys and, uh, you know, and really shilled for Tanner Muse. Uh, that's hilarious, by the way. Muse is cut. Maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, Henry Ruggs, there's a chance he lights the league on fire. There's a chance Brian Edwards is, is awesome. Now, I, I will say... Th- Maybe those guys don't progress on the same pattern. Maybe rug, maybe Edwards' year is next year that he that he blossoms. Maybe Rugs' year is next year. But this is about as explosive as I could as I could think. And Nelson Aguilar was eaten in that Gruden offense. So if they can get Henry Ruggs at Nelson Aguilar production, he had forty six receptions last year. If they can get that to like seventy and still have some huge plays, but maybe you know ten to twelve huge plays on the year, where I'm saying you know sixty yard gains touchdowns stuff like that yeah it could be it could be it's very volatile though i I think he's right i think i think wide receiver group's a bigger question i think i think unknown uh we bay 78 actually pointed that out pretty well something i hadn't really thought a lot about all right um next one oh from tier shout out tier long time listener love the guy um compare these at tier raiders 22 give the guy a follow very knowledgeable raider fan Compare the 2021 Raiders to the 2016 Raiders. I don't have the rosters in front of me right now. I'm not going to pull them up, but I remember that year fondly. I feel like lighting up a cigarette and staring at the stars and remembering 2016. Like, ah, man, what a year. What a year. How fun was that, man? How fun was that year? Remember that Ravens win in 2016? Carr hitting Crabtree with one of the best throws I've ever seen Derek Carr make. Back of the end zone, toe tap. After just getting demolished by the Raiders or Ravens defense all all game, Bruce Irvin sack fumble on Joe Flacco, Khalil Mack single handedly winning games on defense, beating the Bills with Khalil Mack, beating the Panthers with Khalil Mack, Derek Carr messing up his hand coming in playing throwing a pick six and then ended up uh, throwing a great ball to Clive Walford in the back of the end zone. Fun stuff. Slice of blue to get in the playoffs. Crabtree fade. Crabtree fade. Man, I was like a 75% conversion rate that year on a play I normally hate. Anyways, 
stop reminiscing on the past. This is a better roster. 2021 Raiders is a better roster. It is. It is. Okay. Here's where the 2016 Raiders are better. 2016 Raiders had a hell of a defensive line, but they couldn't. I, I talked about it with Matt last episode. They couldn't get those the right combination on the field. They didn't trust Nico Autry. They didn't trust Lorenzo Alexander, who ended up having double-digit sacks with the Bills, I believe, the next year. So if you had Khalil Mack, Nico Autry, Shelby Harris, Lorenzo Alexander, that's a hell of a defensive line. But they didn't play him. So, they're... The offensive line in 2016, I think, was superior to uh, to the Raiders right now in run and run blocking and pass blocking. Now, there's, there's a chance that this 2021 one could be a special run blocking offensive line. Hopefully, Incognito is ready to play against the Ravens. Doesn't sound like he's going to be. Uh, I think we should err on the side that he's not going to be. That you're going to see Denzel Good and John Simpson starting in that game. But even then, those guys can do well in the run game, I should say. He had Latavius Murray, who I didn't... I was always lukewarm on him on, on in 2016. He just... He, his change of direction wasn't great. He was just real tall. I don't really like super tall running backs other than like Derrick Henry, who's just a made-in-the-lab, escape-from-a-lab type guy. Um, you know, gain-of-function research lab type stuff. He... You know, Dr. Fauci's telling you to watch out for Derrick Henry and, and stuff like that. But other than that, like, I don't really like the big tall guys. We saw it happen with McFadden, too. But, you know, if you had Josh Jacobs behind that offensive line in, in, in 2016, holy shit. You know, even Kenyon Drake and stuff. But but to be fair, I think Carr's playing better um, than he did in 2016. I actually think he played better last year than he did in 2016. Just, man, you know, maybe not quite the hero heroics that he had but still i mean he put that team in, he put this team in position to win 10 games last year and they, they just didn't do it for a number of reasons and then on defense like you know the back end of the raiders do i think the linebackers this year are better than the, the raiders linebackers in 2016 like like not even close in my opinion I don't even I to be fair, I'm not even sure who are the Raiders 2016 roster roster. I don't even remember who the linebackers is. Oh god. They had they had Taylor Mays playing safety. Remember when Taylor Mays t- uh tested positive for steroids? I remember for a while it, it was looking kind of ugly. But um I'm trying to see what they have. Oh, they had the bachelor Colton Underwood on their roster at some time. But uh, let's see, uh, 12 and four here. We're going to see who the linebackers were. Perry Riley. Oh, God. Remember re-signed Perry, Perry Riley? I remember that one. Malcolm Smith. Of course, Malcolm Smith. Yeah. No, these linebackers stunk. I'm sorry. Like, these guys stunk. And I, yeah, right? Corey Littleton, KJ Wright, Nick Kwiatkowski, easily better. Easily better. I think the DBs are better on this team. I mean, you're not going to have Reggie Nelson on the back end. So it's better. I think this is a better team. Maybe not quite the top-end talent like the Khalil Max, the generational players. I, that Those aren't there. And maybe that's what the Raiders are missing. I, I think we all agree that they've had a chance to draft some top-end talent, and they haven't. But this team is more well-rounded. It's deeper and better, in my opinion. And uh, hopefully that shows up in the record. All right, next up. 
why do the Raiders suck? This is from X Malwa. Um, if you guys remember uh, Dave from uh, the episode where he's, he's a Jets fan. Um, other than that, I won't hold that against him. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has bad qualities about them. Other than that, Dave's a pretty cool guy. But he, he asked me, why do the Raiders suck? Now, you know, it's, that's, a, that's a tough one. I mean, they haven't, they haven't drafted well at all. They gave a head coach a 10-year deal who won with another team's defense um, and kind of masked up his offensive his offensive um, and red zone issues that that still seem to plague him today. And uh, he doesn't have that defense now to bail him out. And um, yeah, just, just bad personnel decisions, I think. Bad in-game decisions. And, um, you know, last year I, I thought they were a better team than, than people gave them credit for. I thought they were closer. I think they're closer to success than a lot of people think they are and um if they have a good season this year i don't think they're gonna suck for a while that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna say dave uh talk to me about the jets see if your mormon quarterback's any good um see see what happens there uh next up uh, yeah this will be this will be the last one this is from dj at just underscore another underscore dj um this is a really cool question. I'm glad people ask me this. When I put mailbag questions up, guys, ask me questions like this. Not all of them, but just like here and there. If you want, like, get creative with them because I, I like to get creative. I'm a, I, I spurg out on football. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely something that I'm I love talking about. I love sports. I can rattle off a lot of stuff, and um, I love hypotheticals. So he says it's a two and a half part question. Never heard of that before. But he says, if you could play professional football, which position would you play? And two, if you could coach in the NFL, which side of the ball would you coach and what offense defense would you run? So let's start with the first one. If you could play professional football, what position would you play? So the easy one's quarterback, right? Like everybody wants to be the quarterback. But for me, if I was just a monster defensive end, just a pass rusher, like a Chase Young, you know, just just that type of like athleticism, Khalil Mack, um, you know, like that, I think that'd be incredible. I think there's just never more a vulgar display of power than just being a pass rusher. Like when Khalil Mack used to just lift when he took Michael Schofield for the Broncos in his five sack game and just lifted him up. Eric Fisher too, and just lifted him up by his jersey and just shook his lunch money out of him, shoved him into the locker. Just that, that would be so cool just to be yoked like that. Just be like 265, 270, just pure muscle and just rushing the passer every play playing the run a little bit. Um, just being an elite defensive end, I think would be that. So a second part of his question, he says, if you could coach in the NFL, which side of the ball would you coach and what offense defense would you run? So I'd probably be uh, an offensive coordinator, even though I said I'd play a defensive position. I'd like to be an offensive coordinator just because I think it's easier to play offense nowadays than defense, than defense, you know? You got a lot more of, uh, you got the officials against you on defense. Um, points scored is good for the league. So I, I'd like to run an offense. Um, now I'll answer the second part of that question in, in both um, just because I, I think it's a good question. I would do that. I would do the Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan offense of just running that ball, that zone scheme, insert running back here, UDFA out of University of Texas, San Antonio Jesuit College for, you know, underwater basket weaving, you know, the, whatever running back comes out of there just ends up 
running for 1,200 yards in those Shanahan. Remember Tatum Bell, Mike Bell. Raider fans remember if you're old school like me. Olandis Geary, people like that. I would love that. And I, I like the kind of West Coast concepts that he would have with just tight end crossers and and uh, yards after the catch. I'd, I'd draft athletes and guys who ran with the ran well with the ball in their hand and uh, have a nasty running game. And then defense, um, you know, I'm not an expert in defensive scheme, but I would I really. Whatever Brandon Staley was running last year was incredible. Those coverages that the league w- had never seen before. Didn't know how to game plan against. You know, obviously he had two generational players like Ramsey and Donald, but um, I definitely love that defense they ran last year. Um, I like the Seattle cover three, too. I, I do. I really like it. I like what, Gu- what Gus Bradley runs. I like playing a more, more of a zone in the NFL nowadays, limiting the big play making quarterbacks fit the ball in tight windows, um, not relying on having two dominant corners to play man coverage because they're tough to come by. So I would do the Staley defense. Again, that, that question's not, I'm not, a, I'm not the best at defensive schemes, but I, I would do that Brandon Staley or, or even the Seattle cover three, which hopefully the Raiders can perfect this year, right? So uh, yeah, um, let me just make sure I didn't miss any questions here, which it looks like I did not so um yeah thanks for the questions guys really really enjoy them um love doing these episodes i don't think i'm going to do an episode before the game um so everybody have a safe week tanner muse by the way third round picks are not undrafted free agents you can't be that disposable with them don't draft special teams guys in the third round guys that can't change the direction guys that you're asking to play a different position. Um, you saw it with D- Divine Diablo. It feels like they kind of drafted what they wanted this year. And I think Divine Diablo has a higher upside as an actual position player, not just some gunner on special teams. And uh, then you don't have to keep signing linebackers um, off the scrap heap to replace them, get it right the first time. But uh, yeah, that's it for me, guys. I'm at Glenn Rockney on Twitter. Um, I'm going to be doing these as much as I can during the during the season, at least one a week for you guys. I promise that much. And um, yeah, this is Rare Candy YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe there. We have a lot of good content. Um, I will promote this until uh, till I'm blue in the face. We did an episode with Marcus Johnson, um, my co-host and I, where we did alpha beta rankings on all 32 head coaches. It was a great, great conversation. Hilarious. Um, had tears in my eyes laughing so hard at some of the stuff. And um, I thought we had some pretty good takes, to be honest, too. So check that out. That's YouTube only. So if you're listening on audio, subscribe to the Rare Candy YouTube channel. There's a lot of other fun stuff on there. Um, yeah, and and that's it for me, guys. Uh, everybody have a safe week. And uh, let's go get them on Monday. Let's go get them. Ravens are limping. They're limping into the season. They signed Le'Veon Bell today. Le'Veon Bell. That guy scared the shit out of me like three years ago. And then I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. That's fine. Guy looks like he's running underwater. So uh, the Raiders are a healthier team. You know, Lamar Jackson's explosive. Ravens defense is good, but Raiders are a healthier team. I like their chances in this game. So, uh, yeah, let's go get them. Monday Night Football. Season started. This is what we're all uh, waiting for, Raider Nation. Everybody have a safe week. Have a good one. This is Glenn Rockney. I'm signing off. See you guys.